Welcome to the Mixing Babies and Business podcast. If we haven't met or you're unfamiliar with this podcast, hi, I'm Amy Lynch and I've been bringing my kids into business settings since becoming a parent in 2016 and becoming an accidental activist along the way. This podcast contains a mixture of solo and interview guests mini episodes focused on all things parenthood, business, flexible, and remote work with kids. Season 4 is rolling out and has been sponsored by the Startup Community Empowerment Fund, which is presented by Startup Canada, MasterCard, UPS, and BDC. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review online. It helps other parents find the podcast. Liam Martin is an entrepreneur and parent of one kid. He is co-founder and CMO of Time Doctor and Staff.com, as well as co-organizer of the Running Remote Conference. He is an avid proponent of remote work and has grown his company to people working from over 40 different countries without an in-person office. And he recently released his first book, Running Remote. Our conversation is split into three parts. In our third and final episode, we talk about differentiating yourself when competing against a world of remote talent and what he wishes someone would have told him before becoming a parent. Let's get into it. Now, we'll link to your YouTube channel in the show notes, but you did a video recently about how you also have a theory about different cities becoming, I don't know, want to say more livable cities, but people migrating to different cities because of being able to do more remote work and not having to be tied to a certain location because you have to go into a physical office. So I love when your work videos. When becomes <laughs> something that you can take with you, yes. it becomes incredibly exciting because then, well, I'm in this city because I'm doing, you know, I'm here for work. But if all of a sudden that disappears, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, hmm, where would I like to live on planet Earth? The We just bought a bunch of um, those satellites that Elon Musk launched. Can't remember the name of them. Basically, it provides you internet from anywhere on planet Earth through their satellite network. And the actual connection is very respectable. You can do five or six Zoom calls at the same time off of one single connection. And it really is a complete game changer where for $50 a month plus $500 of the purchase of the actual equipment, you can can be in the Arctic and you can be, you know, communicating with people through Zoom. But the reality is actually is, and again, my thesis is you don't need to actually talk to people on Zoom <laughs> in yeah. order to actually have a remote first organization that's successful. If anything, counterintuitively, that slows down your ability to scale and drive growth inside of a remote first organization and actually an in-office organization as well, a hybrid organization, because basically I believe, and this is kind of like a big picture concept that the manager, basically the manager's job is to remove distractions from their direct reports. And unfortunately, the vast majority of the time, their biggest distraction is the manager. It's not necessarily the coworkers or the work that they're doing. It's I've got a report to Amy on what my numbers are this week, and I'm stressed out about it. If it's automatically communicated and everyone gets to share it equally, then it creates an environment where, you know, that 80% of a manager's job, which is really just fundamentally playing telephone, with other people is no longer needed and they can actually focus on more important things. Mm-hmm. So just let your coworkers or your colleagues or your employees do their solve their problems, do their work. And then as you're talking, I'm just thinking of parents or daycare providers. And it's like, just let kids be kids. Try not to micromanage everything. Everything you're saying, I just feel like parents listening to this will be able to relate. If you are a parent and you've been forced to work remotely or have been in an organization that has been forced into that and isn't remote first, 
but you wanted to transition to one that is, how would you say you should play to your strengths or position yourself if you're applying to a company like that? Well, if you're applying to a company like that, that is remote friendly, I mean, number one, I think you have to understand the context of the company that's hiring you. I'll give you actually a really excellent example, Shopify, right? So Shopify is a massive tech company that is based in Ottawa, Canada. And I remember when they were all in office, they were extracting all of the labor out of Ottawa and Ottawa is a million people in change. So it was very difficult for them to be able to find talent. Now Shopify has switched to completely remote. They've shut down all their offices. Now they have a completely different framework to be able to work from. They're saying, well, I'm not just interested in the talent in Ottawa. I'm interested in the talent everywhere. And I can actually become a lot more specific in my requirements as an employer. So I just don't want a customer service agent that knows HubSpot. I want a customer service agent that has worked with HubSpot for five years and also has experience with Blue Yeti microphones, as an example. Like get very, very specific about those requirements. So you as an employee should actually get a lot more specific. I suggest that people do what I like to call the portfolio technique, which I actually got from another buddy of mine, Ramit. And he said, I, I don't know if you remember the um, Liam Neeson movie where uh, his daughter is stolen. Take so have a very particular yeah. set of skills, you know, mm-hmm. and you need to get a very particular set of skills, right? And be world-class at those particular things. So forget about being a generalist. I actually be, would be very, very specific at a very few set of things because what that allows for you to do is, and you think that you're restricting your options, but in reality, what you're doing is you're actually driving up your salary. Because if I'm only looking for a very specific type of person, and let's say there's a thousand of those people on planet earth, unfortunately, I'm going to have to pay significantly more for getting in front of those thousand people versus a hundred thousand people. So it's important to be as specific as humanly possible. I like to get, so I'll give you a context for me. I was looking for a job. I would say I am excellent at building a remote first SMB SaaS business, particularly as it applies to the remote technology stack. So if you want me to be able to run that type of business, or even more specifically run marketing inside of that business, maybe there's there's probably less than a thousand people that are looking for that particular type of position. But that type of position is probably, you know, 500,000 a year, as opposed to if I was just approaching general marketing positions, it would be 80,000 a year. And that's what I would suggest that people do. Don't think of your own geographic area. Think of I'm competing against 7 billion people. How do I stand out against them? Okay. And if you have time for one more question, I always like to ask people, what do you wish as a parent and a founder, someone would have told you before you became a parent and a business founder? If It's going to be easier than everyone's telling you it is. There was, I'll share one quick story, which is my daughter ended up being almost four weeks late and it was getting dangerously late. And we went to a midwife for the entire pregnancy and we were losing faith in the midwife effectively because they can't really do anything to be able to move the um, the birth forward. So we went to a hospital and the hospital said, we need to induce you now, like right now. And that was kind of scary. Uh, and it ended up um, both my wife and daughter ended up getting an infection from this process. 
Uh, and I remember she was born at like 1157. We were trying to get it in before midnight so that she could be b- born a particular day. And I remember she would just scream and scream and scream. And she wasn't a happy baby because she had a high fever and she was quite sick. And uh, I remember the, the doctors actually took me aside and said, hey, we're not going to take the baby and put it in intensive care, but we're very close to that point because she's not looking very good. So your job is your wife is going to fall asleep and pass out, but you're going to stay up the entire night and keep watching this kid. And I remember walking down the halls and I, I mean, she cried from midnight till four o'clock in the morning. Right. And it was just, and I, I had this moment in my mind where I was like, okay, this is the reality of what's going to be the rest of my life. I'm going to be dealing with this type of responsibility because uh, everyone has that fear. I think at least of, is that baby going to be okay? Is everything, you know, five fingers, five toes, 10 fingers, 10 toes, all that kind of stuff. And I just thought to myself, all right, I'm just going to adjust myself to this new reality. Thank Thankfully, within two days, everything was fine and Stella's very happy. But that anchoring moment for me created an environment where I realized I'm so thankful and happy that my daughter is healthy and happy and functional and easy to deal with. I mean, you know, kids cry and kids scream. But at the end of the day, I'm very, very happy that we're in the position that we're in. And that also that I have the resources to be able to uh, solve for these problems. And remote work just provides that extra cherry on top where I'm able to spend so much more intimate time with my daughter than if I was in an office, as an example, eight to 10 hours per day. So yeah, those are my those are kind of my thoughts on on childcare, which is it is actually a lot easier than I previously thought. But I think I was anchored through this um, mm-hmm. relatively scary experience at the very beginning, which I'm actually now quite thankful that I went through because it's showing me that uh, I should be a lot more thankful for everything that I have. Well, thank you for sharing that. It is. Uh, it seems like when you become a parent, there's just always a lot of curveballs. You never know what could happen. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And that's a great message to share. It's easier than you thought it would be. You don't often hear people saying that. So thank you so much, Liam, for taking the time to chat. How can we connect with you and learn more about your work? Uh, What's the best place that you want people to go? Readingremotebook.com is the best spot to go. That's where you're going to be able to check out the book and all of the bonuses that we have. And then if you can't afford to come to the conference or buy the book, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash running remote that you have already been to. All of our talks are up there for free. And I think it really is a masterclass on remote work. Thanks again to Liam Martin for taking the time to speak about all things parenthood, childcare, asynchronous management, and remote work. Check out his work at runningremotebook.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network and leave a review. It helps other parents find the podcast. Connect with me online and access your parent-friendly entrepreneurship, flexible, and remote work resources at mixingbabiesandbusiness.com. Thanks for listening.